so good to see each and every one here today. Your interest in spiritual matters is to be commended, and we could do nothing better than obey God at any time, and that includes for this congregation the times to assemble, to worship the God above, spirit and in truth for our spiritual well-being, as well as praise and adoration of the King. We have so many things to be thankful for. And uh, we should count our blessings even though we can't name them one by one. In the King James Version, based on English from 1611, that's 1611 A.D., the word study is used in the King James Version in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. We want to look at reasons that we should study. It is often mentioned in sermons of motivation and spiritual growth that we should read the Bible more. Paul told Timothy to give exhortation to the Word of God and to reading. It's specifically mentioned. We don't want to do any verse of Scripture an injustice. And when we look to New King James Version, which is circa 1982-ish, we find that there could be a, a different word. Or maybe in a translation such as the American Standard or New American Standard that are more 1901 or later in time, as far as modern-day English is concerned, we'll find different words that are synonyms. All in an effort to accurately represent what was in the New Testament, manuscripts that are in Greek, in order to give us the best understanding in our reading. The New King James says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. So we wouldn't necessarily think of the word study, would we, if we hear be diligent. But the King James Version says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Under the heading of giving diligence would be the idea of study. It does no injustice except maybe to limit it to the area of study in the King James Versions. But let us understand that we are to study. It's more than just reading. And we need to give attention to the sense, S-E-N-S-E, -E, of God. What is God saying to us in His Word? Particularly in the New Covenant as law for us to abide by and be judged by in the end. To take nothing away from the other books of the Bible that are Old Testament. Not even the Psalms or Proverbs. Or there is much to be gained from Song of Solomon, even though... That is not where we readily go to to prove anything, uh, to kind of help someone become a Christian. There's information there from God that is helpful to us in our spiritual diet and understanding and development. Now before we enter into the reasons why we should study, I want to give a couple of reasons why we are not See how I can say this. Wrong motives in people studying. I want to give you some wrong motives so we don't study for 
the wrong reason. There are some people that study to try to prove themselves right on a point. They are met with a situation, let's just say their marriage situation. They are told or get some type of information that they may be incorrectly married. That would be of some significance in a person's life to be in an adulterous situation, as Matthew 19.9 would teach, or Matthew 5.32. And some major adjustments might need to be made if that were found to be the case. And therefore, this individual, hypothetically, would say, I'm going to study to prove my situation is correct. Now, is that the proper thought process going in to studying any Bible subject is to go ahead and make up your mind that your situation or your practice, be it marriage or whatever the practice may be, is okay and I'm going to now open God's Word and I'm going to prove myself correct by Scripture. It has been said that you can prove almost anything you want to by the Bible if you want to bad enough. That's really called resting the scriptures, W-R-E-S-T. Twisting them to your own liking. That puts us really in the place of God because we've made up what the Word of God is supposed to be saying and then we dive right in until we can find it. And if there's not a lot of scripture on it, the topic at hand, a similar approach is used. Instead of I'm going to study until I can find out that I'm right in my present situation, it's going to, I'm going to call as many preachers or elders that I can find until I can finally come up with somebody who tells me I'm in a correct marriage. If it takes me 40 before I can find that one that... Is that the right approach to trying to find out what God's Word is? Rather than taking an empty myself of what I want the answer to be and open God's pages of His book and let Him speak to us and earnestly study to rightly divide the Word of Truth as God intends for it to be understood. Remember Naaman in 2 Kings 5. He had an idea about what he thought was going to happen if this little servant girl who was Jewish was telling him right that the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that she knew about could make this all better and get rid of leprosy that he had. 2 Kings 5.11 says, But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought... He will surely come out to me, that is the man of God, and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. I'll be God. That's how it was supposed to go in the script that I was dreaming of in my little movie of how I was going to be cleansed of lepers. He expected this big grandstand and it was a messenger that was sent over that just said, go wash seven times River Jordan. You'll be clean. God didn't feed into that hoopla 
and cause it to be the way that Naaman wanted it to be. And there was this resistance, and then it was even stated to Naaman, if there was this grand scheme with, you know, and then he finally settled down and took the prescription that the God of heaven gave him to get rid of an incurable disease at that time. And guess what? He was cleansed. Our ways are not God's ways, neither are our thoughts his thoughts. His thoughts are in Scripture, and we have to open our minds up in order to come to the proper understanding. In Luke 10 and, and verse 29, we have another example of someone trying to justify self. Luke 10 and verse 29. Let's look over there in New Testament Scripture. There may be other reasons that you could think of, but we're going to use this as another reason not to engage in study. Because we don't want to start something that's intended to be for our good with that which is wrong, evil, or defective, like Naaman. The parable of the Good Samaritan. And he wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, how does that verse open up? <laughs> and he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? <laughs> okay. Some want to raise a question and define it with their own terms rather than study the Word of God to seek what God's answer is and learn what's right rather than who's right. We all want to be right deep down. The problem is, do we get the cart before the horse and we start expounding that we're right, we're right, we're right, and then we find out that we're wrong and we have to eat humble pie. It's much better to be in a position, Lord, teach me to pray. And then Jesus goes and he teaches his disciples to pray, and they're learning. But to seek to justify ourselves is one of the temptations of the devil. Well, let's look at some correct reasons to study God's Word, and the lesson will be hopefully of benefit to us all. I'd like to suggest for the same reason that we plant a seed, which is something that God gave us, not only as actual, so that we have agriculture and we can eat certain things, in the case of a seed, vegetation, that is good for us, but the analogy is, is that when we plant a seed and we do everything proper, we're blessed with rain from God, we have the nutrients, we have the, the toxics that aren't supposed to kill the plant but are supposed to keep the bugs away, and, and we nurture and we watch it and care for it, we have a reasonable expectation of not crop failure, but of harvest. Sowing, reaping. It's a law of nature. God put it in place must be a good thing, right? So when we take out an effort to, well, I'm going to study God's Word. I don't know really how to yet, but I want to. I've been a Christian for a few years. I've done Bible reading. I've, I've filled out my Bible class uh, workbooks and information and study guides, and I've come and I've listened intently and I've grown, but I really need to do some independent study as well in addition to to grow as a Christian. God would be pleased 
and it would be good. At the root of this is life in this illustration about sowing and reaping and harvest. And what we're expecting is we won't die if we're seeking to be alive with nutrients from God's Word. If we're going for the right soil, good translations of God's Word, if we're using good practices that we may develop in our study and not going to uh, the most extreme liberal views that we can find in the uh, theological seminary, uh, let's get some guides from some of these far-out uh, liberal-minded theologians and we'll get that sent to us over email and we're going to start with that premise that that will help us and assist us in coming and ascertaining what the Word of God means. I'm saying it's not wrong to check it and see where people are being taught today. And the point would be, though, is we, we get life from God's Word. Man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus is tempted in Matthew 4 by the devil. He's in a weakened state, possibly one of the most weakened, along with the cross, that he might be faced in his entire lifetime on earth. And when he resists the devil, command that these stones be made bread. The devil says, I know you can do it. Can you do it? Will you do it? Show me. Show me. You're the Son of God. He doesn't give in to that to give himself nourishment that way, that day. In Nicodemus' case, let me back up. We're dealing with the seed and the Word of God that is incorruptible. 1 Peter 1.23 So there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's not defective. It's not got poison. It won't, it's not, we're not talking about planting poison ivy or even some noxious vegetable that some animal may be able to eat in the regions of the jungle, but we're not able to take into our digestive systems because it'll kill us in a minute. There may be something good about that fruit for some other reason, but in that particular case, it's poison to us. That's not what we're talking about, is eating each and everything we can find in religion. It'll give us indigestion and it may cause spiritual death if we obey some of the things that are out there. In Luke 8 and verse 11 in the parable of the sower, the seed is the Word of God. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 23, we are born again truly become Christians, not of corruptible seed, not of bad seed, but of incorruptible, what is that, Peter? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, by the seed, which is the word of God, the incorruptible seed. In John 3, Nicodemus, a ruler, I used to think growing up as a young lad, Oh, he was a scaredy cat, and that's why he went to Jesus by night. Maybe I'd heard a gospel preacher or two even mention that, gospel meeting sermons or whatever. We don't know that he worked all day, and instead of going home to recline and get needed rest and turn around and do his job the next day, he was willing to go and seek Jesus, which required effort, and maybe missing a meal or feeling a little more tired because he really did want to hear from this teacher of the Jews. We're not told, therefore we don't know for sure. That's the bottom line. We need to be careful with assumptive reasoning uh, that may be a possibility 
or it may not be. But let's not state it as the actual reason if it's not given. There was a man of the Pharisees, believed in the resurrection, believed in angels if he was a Pharisee. That's what they believed. Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. In verse 3 of John 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in verse 5, he equates this with the sentence, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Why do we eat what we eat in our regular meals? Some cases to sustain life. In some cases to try to bring our cholesterol down. My mom has in her genetics uh, high cholesterol. And my dad was the fat one in the family and mom was the athletic one. Mom got on the treadmill and walked three to seven miles a day, seven days a week. Some kind of Bible activity going on on the television or on um, a cassette tape that she would play. She didn't want to get on cholesterol medicine because she read about it that it could damage maybe, I think it was her liver. And so she wanted to make a deal with her doctor who was a Christian. And so she went to her lady doctor and she said, I'd like to try an experiment. I will eat nothing but broccoli supposed to be good to bring your cholesterol down. Or three months if I have to. And then take another blood test and see. She had the discipline not to get on any, she didn't cheat, she didn't go get the ice cream or any of that. Just very, very well disciplined. I admire her for that. And she said, well, we don't have to do three months, we'll do this and that. And she did, and she had something besides broccoli, but she had a very regimented diet that included high broccoli went back, took it. Yeah, that, that needle didn't move at all. <laughs> Same cholesterol. At that point, I said, hey, it's in my genetics. Uh, what am I going to do? Can't turn it off like that. We take food into our body for different reasons. We have food that we enjoy. There are comfort foods that has been studied that people enjoy. Food does different things to us. We know about the carbs and how you can get tired in the afternoon if you have a job and it's 7 to 3 and you go to lunch around 11 or 12 and you take in a high-carb uh, lunch, uh, you can have a little trouble, possibly if you're in a sedentary position, dozing in the afternoon, that kind of thing. We need to be mindful of our bodies, our physical bodies, and you may have heard the expression, we are what we eat. Now the spiritual analogy for us all. We are what we eat. Okay. And so if in our non-working, non-sleeping time, we're not inclusive of a spiritual diet that includes studying the Word of God, reading it, trying to understand better what God wants us to do, the point of this lesson is, what are we going to be? Are we getting empty calories or, or spiritually? Or are we getting good calories, good nutrients, things that will be of benefit? Oh, Mark, I became a Christian. I thought of this illustration yesterday. And ever since I became a Christian, I've been studying the archaeology and ge geography of the Bible. I've been a Christian for 20 years. I have got dates figured out. 
I have got, uh, I can tell you things about archaeology and geology. Okay. Is there anything wrong with studying archaeology and ge geography? You know, St. Cree is only nine miles from Carmel. Okay, I was not aware of that. Okay, good to know. It's a great fun fact. Not wrong to know. And if you love archaeology and genealogy, you can have study in that. Enjoy in it. But those aren't the only things that you're supposed to be getting out of God's Word, particularly the New Testament, by which we'll be judged for an eternity in one of two places, and there's no opt-out. There's heaven, there's the bad place, and then if you don't want to go to either one, go ahead and hit opt-out, and you'll be just like, you know, the dogs and cats. Live your life. And so we don't get opt-out. That's not the way God set it up. So let's get the calories and the nutrition spiritually. I'm trying to motivate myself to another level of studying God's Word. Well, I don't want to study that deep. I, I can't understand all of that. It doesn't have to be deep. It's the calories that we can get for the, the area where we are spiritually. You know, we have some dear brothers and sisters in Christ that are not with us today for various reasons. And some are spiritually ill. We need to love them and reach out to them, call them, just something to try to make a difference, to encourage them back to spiritual service. If we don't, we may be missing out on the opportunity to obey a requirement found in Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. Please, carefully, consider. Brethren, if a man... I'll say, or a woman, is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We need to take passages just like this and make sure that we get the calories out of that. We get the nutrition that God's Word feeds us with, and we don't just pick and choose the ones that are easy or surface and say, well, I'm not going there. This isn't too deep to understand. Galatians 6.1 It's prescribed for Christians to do for their brothers and sisters in Christ. It's action on part of those who consider themselves spiritual or faithful at the time to try to help those who might be considered unfaithful in one or more things at the time. Another reason that we Besides planting a seed, uh, the analogy to why should we study a good motivation that we have life. For the same reason we take food in our body so we get good nutrients, a well-balanced diet. That's why we should study as a Christian. For the same reason we turn light on in a dark place. So that we can have safe guidance along our path. Psalm 10. Verse 105 of Psalm 119, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yeah. John 8, verse 12. Then again, Jesus spake to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. 1 John 1, 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declared unto you that God is light, 
And in him is no darkness at all. Of course, the familiar Jeremiah 10, verse 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself, it's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Back when God was taking care of the children of Israel on one occasion, uh, Psalm 105, verse 39 says, He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. So in the journey of life, we're going to find many pitfalls, snares, all represented by that which is bad, which is on the dark side. Pun intended. Okay. Jesus brings light. I'm the light of the world. His Word can be the best of all flashlights, but we have to properly use it and properly understand it and not go with the wrong answers, but study can help us. Therefore, another good reason for us to study. Another reason is for the same reason that we kindle a fire when it's cold. We don't have this problem in South Georgia. We're blessed with a lot of heat. <laughs> it can be 100 to 107 in some of July and August. It gets very, very hot, can it? Yeah. But it gets a little chilly to us even then because our blood thins, as we say. I don't know if that's right uh, physiologically, yeah. but we say we get thin blood when we move from Dayton, Ohio, and we come down here and enjoy the warmth of the South. And therefore, what may seem to be mild and cool in Indiana, uh, just shivering cold, and we, we have to pile on clothes. God is love and brings warmth, and we need to know the safety that is around the fire also from animals. Do people go camping and they go to Colorado and or some wooded area and Montana, North, South Dakota, all these places, even around here in the woods, and they kindle a fire so the wild boar can run at them and gore them. That's not the purpose for the fire. The fire can actually keep some animals at bay. Through a study of God's Word, we learn of God's protection, His love, His concern, and His promises. We have two more. For the same reason that we take medicine, not just food, but medicine. Medicine can be prevented, as in the case of regulating, uh, as our other illustration about cholesterol. We've got bad cholesterol, high cholesterol, can't fix it with broccoli and eating right and, and exercising. Okay, then we have uh, a, you can't fix it that way. We'd love for you to exercise yourself into good health, but if you can't do that, we're going to have to give you this prescription medicine now, and we're going to help you lower your cholesterol. Keep eating right, keep keep exercising, but let's go this route as well. Medication can be prevented or it can fight disease ongoing. Sometimes it's taken in a short burst. Other times it's necessary to go with it in the long route and you're going to be on this the rest of your life. This is uh, your Xarelto, you've got AFib, uh, you're in AFib all the time. You need the blood thinner so you don't clot and, and have a stroke. And so you're signing up to this until and unless something changes in our, our world of science and prescriptive medicine. We need to inoculate ourselves with every vaccine of God in His Word to prevent. If we find that evil companionship corrupts good morals, we need to learn from that. That can be preventative. It should be preventative. It shouldn't be on the other side of being in jail 
And the person said, I knew they weren't, but I, I wasn't going to sin. Then, then I'm driving the car and they say, stop here. And I say, why? And they, you pulled over and five get out and they put on masks and they go rob the bank and they jump in. And it's like, really? You know. And I'm in for, uh, in prison now for 15 years for driving the car. This really didn't happen in my life. Okay. <laughs> Disclaimer here. Internet and all. Um, and yet it's happened to people. It has happened to some people that they were the driver in the getaway car, never intended to rob the bank, hanging with the wrong people, knowing they were bad, and yet, why did they get in the car in the first place? Why did they choose other associations? Preventive medicine can shield against catching diseases. Psalm 119, verse 11, the Bible now. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. If you know what sin is, and you learn what we can from Scripture, we can find a preventive nature of not having to, quote, sin in order to know what sin is. Just stay away. Proverbs 17, verse 22. A merry heart doeth like good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. Revelation 3, verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. There is good in the word of God. And finally, for the same reason we plant a fruit tree, a fruit tree, not just an oak, that around here might get some parasite in it that's pretty called a Spanish moss, but we don't really get anything to eat out of that tree, my understanding, though there are other good uses for oak. The reason we plant a fruit tree is similar to a good reason for study, because it yields that which is good for us to eat that is to our benefit. The first Psalm, verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Verse 23, we have to plant the Word of God in our hearts, and it's not just reading, I'm convinced it's going to be studying for discernment, studying for the sense that God wants us of understanding to have. And we'll close with Hebrews 5. In our lifespan as a Christian and thinking of the time that we may have on this earth to grow, there is an expectation that we will leave babyhood and get into different phases of spiritual adulthood. God has compared that growth in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 
go over to Hebrews 5, with the concept of growth and abilities. The one talent man. The five talent man. Everybody's not blessed with the same talents. Therefore, there is some variation in output in Christians, men and women, based on that, that doesn't mean you're necessarily sinful if you're doing one-talent work. And if you're at the height of the one-talent work, that's okay. Because that is something that's talking about abilities. All things else being equal, not trying to gain the system. Well, I don't want to learn too much or I'll be you know, considered... You know, I don't want to do too much. No, we have to work to our capabilities, but there's a capability part of this. But there is making the grade of effort for God that God expects and requires for the one-talent Christian and for the five-talent, ten-talent. Go ahead and put as many talents on it as you like. The writer of Hebrews, maybe Paul, maybe someone else, but God is the author of the book of Hebrews. It's inspired. It needs to be in our Bibles. Says, for by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you, again, the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But solid food belongs to them, or those, this New King James says, who are of full age, that is, those who, by the passing of time and no study, no, it says, to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It takes some work to read the Bible all the way through. Some books are harder than others to keep your attention. A la Leviticus, Numbers, maybe. But this is speaking of exercise, not mere reading, but inclusive, so that we can discern both good and evil because God says we can read and understand, Ephesians 4, Paul said, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not known, but now has been made known by the prophets and apostles. Why do we need to study? Because God wants us to. It's the short answer. The others are all benefits that we can have, staying out of darkness, and all these other things that we've tried to mention today. The lesson's yours. Thanks for your kind attention. If there's any way we can help you if you have a need spiritually, now or later, now is a convenient time. Let us all be, hopefully, encouraged to study more, find ways to study in such a way to please God, not looking for the answers that we predetermined we want to be the answer, but in order to say, Lord, at thy will, be done, not ours. If you're subject in any way, we bid you to come to the front. Walk together, we stand and sing number 307.